is she? Shanna, the Jungle Queen. Hello, I'm Mark Sweeney, and this is I'm the Gun's Shanna Showcase, a podcast indexing the significant solo adventures of Marvel Comics' Shanna the She-Devil. When I say solo, I mean her appearances when she's not in the company of her, her lovely husband, Kazar of the Savage Land. This episode, I'll be finishing up the recap of a ten-part serial called The Bush of Ghosts, which ran through the anthology title Marvel Comics Presents. This story, written by Gerard Jones and drawn by Paul Gulacy and Gary Martin, is an excellent Shanna story, maybe the best since her very short-lived solo title folded in the early 70s, and it's criminal that hasn't been reprinted or collected, but as such, has made it a perfect candidate for review here on I'm the Gun. Alright, I'll be going through chapters 7 through 10 this episode, so let's get right into it. Chapter 7, titled, or subtitle I should say, A Man of the People, shows up in MCP issue number 74. Now, Marvel Comics Presents as an anthology title had three other stories, apart from the Shanna serial. This time out, readers are treated to the obligatory Wolverine story, in this case the next chapter of the Weapon X origin. There was a short story, this issue starring Captain America foe the Constrictor, and something that didn't happen near enough, an Iceman-Human Torch team-up, written by Dan Mishkin and penciled by Joe Staten. Yay, Joe Staten. This is all wrapped up in a nice wraparound cover. The front cover is a Barry Windsor Smith Wolverine illustration. And Shanna shares the back cover with her co-stars. That's done by Sam Keith. The Shanna story opens up with a beautiful splash page by Gulacy and Martin. It's taken up mostly by a silhouette of Africa, the continent, which is filled with various imagery, including a Dancing woman getting squeezed by an anaconda, and looking more than ever like Vincent Price, Sir Guy Cross Wallace, the villain of the piece. The silhouetted continent looks like it's dripping blood on one side and crumbling into diamonds on the other. It's a very, very nicely designed page. It's narration by Cross Wallace, which gets the chapter going. He's talking to himself about how the soul of Africa seized him and how he now plans to claim the soul of Africa for himself and how it'll bestow upon him a terrible power. We've learned over the course of this serial that Sir Guy is pretty serious about the juju and regularly practices rituals like cooking nosy journalists. That's what we see next. Sir Guy, surrounded by dancing warriors, stares into a fire above which on a spit cooks the remains of reporter Eric Heller, who'd been investigating diamond smuggling, an operation in which Sir Guy was personally invested. High atop the surrounding stockade, warriors begin firing bullets down on Heller's rescuers. Shanna and Reserve Warden Jeremy McHale, who are unaware of Heller's well-done condition. <laughs> McHale, who's been a little on edge, is after Cross Wallace and his warriors for the murder of his fellow rangers. He's recently adopted a pretty fatalistic attitude and is just prepared to take a few of his targets with him should they mow him down. 
Shanna's sense of self-preservation is a bit more intact, and she tries reasoning with Mikhail, but he gets wounded. Inside the stockade, Sir Guy orders Shanna taken alive, which the warriors manage to do, when Shanna, acting as a crutch for Mikhail, triggers a net trap. Mikhail and Dubose Wilson on New York Diamond Fence, along for the adventure, are brought before Sir Guy, and uh, Wilson tells him he wants his $200,000 in diamonds that he was promised. Sir Guy seems willing to comply. He says, take them, as he drops a handful of diamonds into a basket, but I'd guess even uh, if Wilson's hands weren't tied behind his back, he wouldn't want to reach in that basket because poking its head up above the rim is a huge cobra. Looking on are a couple of guys we haven't seen before, dressed in more, a more Western manner. One of them looks like John Constantine. Um, but neither one of them looks very pleased to be there. Sir Guy orders that the ritual be brought to a climax and that he, the chief, should be brought his prize, his bride. And his warriors produce Shanna, who actually looks a little ridiculous in her wedding get-up, which is just her regular outfit. <laughs> plus a long pink veil, and she's carrying a bouquet of pink flowers. How they get her into this getup, I have no idea, but she remains defiant, at least vocally, saying Sir Guy's kidding himself with the whole Spirit of Africa thing. He's debasing the Spirit of Africa rather than reawakening it. Sir Guy sips some cocktail from a ladle and says that it sounds like Shanna's spirit could use a little reawakening after the wedding feast. She knows what the rhino blood elixir does to him. She does? Both of them have hinted at a prior association over the course of this serial, so maybe she does. Shanna points out that Mikhail is wounded and needs attention, to which Sir Guy replies that he'll be... he'll be taken care of. And Shanna inquires about the whereabouts of Eric Heller. Again, ominously, Sir Guy says he's here... In fact, they can't have the feast without him. The two western-dressed grumps seem to disapprove of this drawn-out ceremony. One says it's all cheap theatrics, and the other that they should have just killed the prisoners. But Sir Guy is intent on having his moment. In Africa, he says, we believe that we gain the strength and courage of an animal or person that they eat. And with that, he breaks the clay mold, which had just been removed from the fire, and a really obscenely colored goo, red, purple, and orange, spills out. Really gross. Oh, I should have mentioned uh, that the colors for this serial were done by Steve Matson, and the letters are by Jade Mode. Shanna and DuBose are horrified, and the kale seems to immediately recognize the goo for what it is, and he freaks He grabs a knife and disarms a nearby warrior. He uses the warrior's machine gun to just start mowing down everything in sight, though Sir Guy and Shanna manage to duck for cover. In the last panel of this chapter, Mikhail screams, Butchers! No more death! As a warrior sights him up. The next chapter is called Death and the King's Horseman, and it shares issue number 75 of MCP with the Weapon X lead feature, uh, Megan and Shadowcat from Excalibur story, 
and a fun little Doctor Doom story, which sounds weird to say. The story is both written and drawn by Dave Cockrum. Those support features share the back cover with Shanna, this time in an illustration by Mark Badger. So the action here picks right up where it left off. Michaela's cut down by at least three warrior machine guns, while Shanna scampers to the top of the stockade in an attempt to escape. She manages to get a hold of a machine gun and takes out an attacker, while a warrior below has her in his sights. He's stopped by Sir Guy, who insists on taking Shanna alive. This leads to some questioning glances from the two Westerners, who are Sir Guy's business partners, it turns out, and also by Malima, who I guess is his spiritual advisor or a replacement of sorts for a woman we previously met, Akulia, who Sir Guy himself killed. His partners argue that the chase for Shanna has cost both men and material, and has damaged the nerve center of what they hope to be a smuggling empire. Sir Guy relents and tells his warriors to shoot to kill, as Dubose Wilson, who somehow survived Mikhail's freakout, looks on from undercover. We next see Shanna jumping through the trees for her life, avoiding machine gun fire, and she takes the most graceful dive I've ever seen depicted in comics into the river, and manages to find safety in a herd of hippopotamuses? Is herd the right term? Hippopotamuses? <laughs> I'll have to look that one up. She uh, slips aboard a boat, maybe the one that her and her crew used to get here, but is spotted by a group of warriors. That group, however, fails to notice Shanna's panther friend who chews on one of theirs' head. Ouch. Sir Guy's juju woman, Malima, can remotely track Shanna, and she, in a trance-like state, gives Sir Guy Shanna's location, and he in turn radios in more troops. Back in the boat, one warrior hits the boat's fuel tank and it explodes. Shanna rises out of the water, Apocalypse Now-like, and grabs a machine gun. She obviously put aside her strong distaste for firearms, as she occasionally does. Starts mowing down warriors, only to find that her panther's been slaughtered. Malima can sense that Shanna's now alone, and Sir Guy says they have her. That's the end of Chapter 8. Chapter 9, called The Living and the Dead, shares the next issue of MCP with the Weapon X feature. A wood god story, not sure who that guy is, and a death's head story. Shanna shares the back cover with the latter two in a composition by Brian Hitch. Shanna chapter opens with a pretty brutal scene. The ground is littered with bodies of Sir Guy's warrior group. Jeremy McHale's body is tossed on an open fire. Sir Guy justifies all the killing, saying that the soul of Africa needs the blood of its children. This notion is questioned by Malima and... Sir Guy fires back, asking if she'll run away and join the enemy like her sister. But we know, of course, this isn't true. Sir Guy killed Malima's sister in a previous chapter. Malima backs off, saying she'll continue to track Shanna remotely. More warriors are ordered out, though Sir Guy requests that some of Shanna's blood be returned so that he may drink of it and absorb some of her admirable courage. 
One of Sir Guy's business partners again condemns the juju stuff, asking what it has to do with their smuggling business, and Sir Guy reveals his true intention. Smuggling business, as far as he's concerned, is only in place to finance his desire to become spiritual and mystic leader of the entire continent. In a private moment, he thinks to himself of the children stolen from all the villages along the river. You know, I find this kind of strange that they haven't brought this up too much uh, in previous chapters. I think I think that is it's one weakness of the script. And if I hadn't read this serial back to back to back to back, I feel that pretty important detail would be lost. The children, Sir Guy needs time to train as a new generation to worship him. He paints a kind of a cool-looking domino mask on his face in blood. Shanna, alone for a moment, decides to partake in her own juju ritual. She knows she cannot take on all of Sir Guy's men, at least by herself, so she uses her knife to slit the throat of her deceased panther companion and drinks its blood. I guess in theory, gaining its spiritual power and, and its abilities. She paints a corresponding design on her own face in blood, symmetrical claw marks on her cheeks. Back at the stockade, a hiding Dubose Wilson sneaks up on the business partner and knocks him out cold and, in a quick moment shared with Malima, manages to weaken her resolve by telling her the, the true fate of her sister. She was murdered by Sir Guy, and this he does just before being surrounded by armed men. Back in the jungle, Shanna manages to pick off several warriors and through a little trickery causes a group of others to be swallowed up by quicksand. As she makes her way back to the stockade, she tells Sir Guy, well, really, she just tells herself, that she's coming for him. This cliffhanger splash page is colored very... interestingly. Not sure I like it. It's all in a brown tone. And the figure of Shanna's inked in blue, the foliage around her is inked in green, doesn't really reproduce very well. Almost seems like a mistake. I don't don't know if it was intentional because all the other scenes, even though mostly occurring at night, are pretty brightly colored. So I'm not sure about the choice here. I can't call it effective. I, like I said, I can't even say I like it. It's just it's interesting. This will definitely be one of the pages I put up on the blog. You can check it out for yourself. Issue number 77, Shanna shares with Weapon X, Namor, and a story where Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos meet up with, of all things, Dracula. The back color, the back cover illustration that includes Shanna is by Larry Alexander. So, chapter 10, the final chapter of the Bush of Ghosts, is called A Place in the Wilderness. It begins with a severe beating of Dubose Wilson at the hands of Sir Guy. The villain demands from Malima the answer to the question, Is Shanna dead? She answers no. When pressed for her location, Malima, who's apparently had enough of Sir Guy, lies and says she's heading away up the river. Meanwhile, Shanna has stealthily reinfiltrated the stockade and locates the imprisoned children. Sir Guy again argues with his business partner about the wisdom of 
using so many resources in the capture or killing of one woman, but they're interrupted by the long cast shadow of Shanna who stands silently at the top of the stockade's wall. Sir Guy realizes he's been duped by Malima. He takes a rifle from a nearby warrior and takes a couple of wild pot shots at the she-devil who easily evades and tackles this creep. The business partner sees an opportunity to kill two birds with one shot, but he's taken out by Shanna when she's warned by Dubose Wilson. Wary of the numbers Sir Guy has on his side, Shanna flees but finds herself in a little separated area with a bunch of cobras. Her plan to separate Sir Guy from the rest succeeds, however, because he follows her, still armed with his rifle. She tosses a snake at him, which she easily shoots away, but the distraction allows Shannon to lunge and try some one-on-one -on -one fisticuffs. So Guy actually gains the upper hand and begins to choke the life out of Shannon with his rifle as she shouts out that he feels the power of Africa. And he may, but it's not with him. <laughs> It's just then Shanna's eyes turn cat-like. At least they're represented that way. And her panther power kicks in. She grabs a convenient wooden shard and stabs her guy in the flank, ending his threat forever. She rises, nose bloodied, forehead cut, and eyes still wild and cat-like. As a suddenly sedate crowd gathers, including Wilson, Malima, and various warriors... One of the business partners says that Africa needs answers. Shanna claims that she has none, but if they come up with any, she'll be there to help. It's kind of the ambiguous end to The Bush of Ghosts. Now, I like the story. A lot. It's not perfect, but it's good to see the she-devil given so much space to stretch her legs and operate in. 80 pages here overall. She hadn't had that much room in any one adventure up, up to that point, up to this point. I thought Gerard Jones' script was, was pretty great, as Shanna was spot on. The threat of Sir Guy and the captured children, I don't think it was 100% explained or clear. I think especially with the kidnapped children that that could have been fleshed out a little more. Or even just mentioned beyond one panel, as that would have deepened, I think, the level of Sir Guy's evil, his threat. Illustration was fantastic. Gulacy Martin and colorist Steve Matson provided a superbly designed jungle adventure with maybe a couple questionable color choices, but overall it's, it's a beautiful story to look at. I think the best stories kind of leave you with questions. A couple I'm left with here. You know, was Shanna's dabbling in African magic just a one-off? Was there ever any intention for Shanna to have access to animal abilities? I, I don't think that in particular would be a good choice for the character, but it was pretty thrilling to see her animal nature take over for a couple of panels. And in my mind, her eyes didn't actually change to feline eyes. I 
see it more as just a visual representation of the juju kicking in. And who knows, the juju may have just been psychological. And maybe it was just adrenaline that allowed Shanna to overcome Sir Guy and save her own life. I'm kind of glad, in a way, that things are left a little ambiguous, though. It is a bit of a shame that this creative team wasn't able to tell any more Shanna stories. I would love to have seen their interpretation of the character evolve. I'm not even sure if these creators worked much more for Marvel. I know Gerard Jones wrote the Wonder Man series. I think that came out around this time. Anyway, the story that they did tell here over the course of the serial was just a really good example of what a viable character Shanna is on her own in the hands of talented people. Alright, I'd love to hear from anyone that's read this story. What are your thoughts? Any Gerard Jones fans out there? Does Paul Gleasy do it for you? Let me know by leaving a comment on the blog. I'm the gun.blogspot.com or emailing me at I'm the gun, I-M-T-H-E-G-U-N, at gmail.com. Or find me on Twitter, where I post as at Mark Sweeney Jr. Previous episodes of I'm the Gun, including Shanna Showcase and Reboot Review, which is devoted to the Legion of Superheroes, can be found on iTunes. Now, for both of you who found the show on iTunes, I apologize for the misordering of episodes there. Uh, in an effort to make sure that all the episodes were available, which they weren't for a couple weeks, things got shuffled around, where now the very first Shanna Showcase now appears at the top in the more recent episodes, and my Halloween episode devoted to DC's Physician of Phenomenology, Dr. 13. Looks like it was posted two weeks too late. Uh, but anyway, they're, they're all there now, so you two will have a lot of... Uh, Lots of episodes to choose from. Okay, I'm out of here. The next Shanna Showcases will be covering the She-Devil solo run in Marvel Fanfare. It's another good story. Uh, the first episode covering that should drop in a couple of weeks. So until then, see you on the Savannah.